0: up everybody welcome back to pg sports podcast our special guest today is oliver macklin he played at uconn he's now a WNBA and an nba agent uh he was also in the last dance for a brief cameo and we're going to discuss all that good stuff let me get him in here hey what's up what's up paul can you hear me yeah you, you hear me yeah i got you i got you all right, cool. How's everything going?
1: Everything's good, man. You know, given the circumstances
0: that we're all living with right now, but uh, I have no complaints at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, your UConn plan days.
1: Man, it was a great experience. You know, um, I initially UConn wasn't one of my top choices, and you know, glad things panned out the way they did. Um, Cause I wouldn't change it for the world, you know, going in as a freshman, um, we had the dream season year and, you know, we went 31 and six lost to, to Duke, um, to go to the final four, but, um, you know, we had an outstanding year that year. And, um, that roster was comprised of about eight guys from Connecticut, all blue collar guys. And, you know, that's what kind of put us on the map and, you know, after that we brought in guys from. Florida, Pennsylvania, California, Arizona, Seattle. So, um things took off pretty much after that, you know. So, some of my best friends, you know, still to this day on all those teams, you know. So, it was a
0: great great experience all the way through. Yeah, what well, yeah, what did it mean to you to um like play for Yukon being that it was your home state? You know, so <laughs>
1: we always used to joke, you know, back in high school, because, you know, UConn wasn't that big and they were on Channel late at the time. And you could see all the empty seats in the background, you know, when you watch the games on TV and we're like, listen, I'm, I'm going to play for UConn. Now, that was a running joke that we had around Bridgeport. And then um, when Chris Smith went there and they came down to the Shane Center in Bridgeport to watch a practice, UConn came and had a practice at the Shane Center because they were recruiting Chris Smith. And it was like starting to become a reality like, oh, listen, this could possibly really happen, you know? So getting there and, you know, there's no professional team here in Connecticut, you know? So we're, we're very loved, you know, throughout the state, you know, by many of the folks and, you know, to be removed now, you know, 25 plus years and still be remembered
0: by a lot of folks is, you know, is an awesome experience. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you too. like. How is it now like going back? Like so much has changed, like I'm sure everything, like from the dorms to the campus to the to the playing area, to arenas. Yeah,
1: so you know, my freshman year, we opened up Gamble. So we were the first team to play in there and uh, the first half of the season we played in the Phil House and then we moved into Gamble, and we opened up against St John's in the Big East. And The energy in that building was incredible, like before the game even started, you know, the game, 20 minutes on the clock before just warming up and shooting around, fans were yelling and cheering and, you know, the the proximity of the distance next to the person beside you can barely hear each other. That's how loud it was inside the building, you know, so um, that was great. And then we just watched the library change, parking garage, student union, the campus just blew up. You know, as the time went on, you know, they got apartments where there were woods now, and you know, there's, you know, suites where four students share a suite with a common living area and things like that, which weren't there when I was there, you know, so it's, you know, it's like, even on East Campus, you know, you have tons of stores, you can coach Ariema has a restaurant and it's like everything on campus, like you don't have to leave to go anywhere, but it's, it's, it's grown so much, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, now you were playing when it was like, uh, Jim Calhoun's first, like, maybe like five years or so like coaching there um so, what yeah, forward- so i got there i'm sorry go ahead yeah no i was gonna say like what's what was your experience like uh as him as a coach so um i got there it was
1: coach's third year and mm-hmm. they had just won the nit championship you know so um once again the sheen center in bridgeport we take a busload of kids down and we go watch uconn play at madison square garden and so that's one of my first time being in the garden watching a game and we were front row you know um and you know just being in the mecca of basketball and one of our friends was like "Yo, i wonder if the rims are like the same height here at the garden so this guy by the name of doug wilson he walks out on the court and he jumps up and grabs the rim and comes and sit down and we all just cracked up laughing but you know so playing for coach you know very demanding You know, and he had a vision that a lot of folks didn't see in Connecticut at the time. He didn't just want to be good and be Fairfield and be Hartford. He wanted to be the best in the Big East. You know, and you know, my freshman year, that's when we won our first Big East championship, you know. (laughs) And that was at the garden as well. And you know, I remember that day like yesterday, my parents were there, you know, my mom and dad were standing on the courts scores table because the crowd just rushed the floor. You know, it was like a wave of people, you can feel yourself swaying to the point where you can feel your legs go. Well, next thing you know, we're all on the ground, you know, because everyone rushed the floor after he won that Biggie Championship game. You should, you should have the ring. Unfortunately, my, uh, I had an incident. My car caught on fire while I was in it. Uh-oh. My, yeah, my son was about three years old, and my ring was in the ashtray. Like we jumped out of the car in the middle of the highway on ninety-five, and it just went up and playing. So, um, I've been talking to folks at school about getting the ring back and, you know, having another one made again, but, um, uh, no, I don't have mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that. Um, yeah, like, yeah, since you were, uh, like one of his first teams, like, could you tell like he was going to be like a hall of fame coach?
1: You know, we weren't even thinking about it like that. It was just such yeah. a camaraderie of, of work and, you know, friendship and, you know, on and off the court. And that's why we excelled so well, because, we didn't just hang with each other at practice, you know, after practice, it was what time are we all going to get together later after practice and then after study hall, we were all late at the lunch, you know, at the mess hall together we ate together. And then we hung out together, you know, so and you know coach kind of created that atmosphere to make us like each other, you know, to make us share the ball. And when things weren't going that way, you know, he was very strategic about how he, you know, found ways when he would switch teams up and practice and move folks around, you know, just to make sure those who didn't like each other were in close proximity with each other. And they had to find a way to like each other because it translates to the games as well too.
0: Yeah. And I know, um, you were, you said, you told me you were roommates with Scott Burrell. You guys are best friends and, uh, so what was that uh relationship like and then i also saw i just saw that you guys uh were like uh ray allen's like hosts right
1: yeah so um first me and scott we were the two connecticut guys in our class they were there's myself scott terreno walker a kid by martin smith and the dove hennefeld you know so scott and i the two connecticut guys run we together and terreno and martin together and the dove coming from israel he was by himself so scott and i had that bond we we didn't know each other in high school even though we were like 20 minutes away from each other you know um I watched them play in high school when they came to Bridgeport to play against Basic. you know and uh, we laugh about that because you know Bridgeport as we know is a, is a is a tough city to play for and back then in the late 80s you know that was a difficult place for Hamden High to come play so Hamden came down and uh Scott at the time you know strong athlete he set a pick on one of their players and the kid left on the stretcher i think he broke uh kid louis kitchen's ribs and the yeah. whole crowd starts chanting oh you did it now you gonna get it you know <laughs> and so they, they they had to get an escort you know out of basic high school they were throwing rocks at the bus shaking the bus and they were trying to get out the parking lot so he remembers that you know and uh we laugh about that all the time yeah, yeah
0: that's i mean that's that's crazy yeah I mean, what's up with uh like what do you think now is the case? Like I know you said you guys had a lot of Connecticut guys. I feel like uh, either I don't know if they don't recruit or the or the players from Connecticut just don't go to UConn anymore.
1: Um, it's a little of both. You know, yeah. now that we're back in the Big East, if we have some highly touted players, you know, in the area, I'm sure you know they'll look back at Connecticut. You know, we lost on a guy like Tremont Waters. We lost out on Mustafa Heron. You know, when they were coming up, and but we weren't in the Big East at the time. You know, and in yeah. order to win, you need guys like them pros to continue to win and you need a, a, a very nice conference, yeah. you know, that attracts those yeah.
0: guys, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I seen every, all the alum just like pumped that you guys are back in the big East.
1: Yeah. You know, um, uh, we missed big East weekend down at at Madison square garden, you know, all the alum goes back. We all go watch. is another mini reunion for us because we all get together and go to the games to support UConn. You know, so as the hashtag said, we all bleed blue and we want to see things continue to get back to the way they used to be, and you know, for the team to be successful again. And, you know, and Coach Hurley's got it moving in the right direction, so we're optimistic that that's going to happen. Yeah,
0: yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about um, like you guys uh, showing Ray Allen around UConn.
1: Yeah, so. Ray came, you know. It's funny. We were my sophomore year. We're playing North Carolina State, and we're down there. We're at practice, and Chris Smith goes, you know, coaches recruiting all these bony, skinny kids. So when we're, we're in the locker room, and these two thin kids, one's long and six eleven, and the other one's Ray. They come on. We didn't know who they were at the time. The other one was Kevin Garnett, you know. So the two of them coming to the locker room, you know. Um, down there as they were being recruited and, you know, Kevin Garnett, you know, ultimately goes to the league and Ray comes to Connecticut. But um, one of the things that Ray saw about UConn was how close we were as a team and as a unit, you know, and that's what brought most of the guys there, you know. So, you know, we were his hosts. We took him around and showed him a good time and brought them to, you know, the campus parties and things that sort of like we do all the recruits. and. Uh, had a good time and he saw how much we enjoyed each other outside the court, you know, and, you know, he said ultimately that was one of the things that um, drew him to UConn. I, I want to say he um, visited Alabama, one of the schools and, you know, they basically just left them there, you know, the the guys who were his host and didn't really show them around, you know, and that's the kind of experience you don't want when you're going to yeah. recruit and visit. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then take me, uh, take me to the, I know you just appeared in the, The last dance a little cameo uh first of all what was your reaction i know you said you thought you might be in it um yeah what was your first reaction you know it's funny my my son kind of blew the surprise
1: you know he uh let it out the bag earlier to to a lot of folks you know but um (laughs) i knew it was going to be in there you know following around them in in that 98 season it was awesome and and the cameras were everywhere you know so i didn't know when it was going to happen in this documentary or some other time but like you know i was on tour with those guys you know every time they came to town their first game against the boston celtics you know scott calls he has tickets i jump on the highway i grab john gwen and weathersfield and you know we shoot up to the boston garden they eventually lose that game which was funny and i remember mike after the game was like I don't know what the whole uproar is about, you know, to acting like we're still not going to win this championship just because we lost this one game, you know, and, you know, just to be on that path and journey with them, you know, it was a phenomenal experience. It was like being with the Beatles or Michael Jackson or something yeah. like they had an entourage of folks and fans just like following them everywhere, you know, so but uh, to be around that, you know, throughout that year it was awesome. I was kind of selfishly upset that they won the game in utah because i wasn't out there i was waiting for them to come back to chicago so i can beat it for the championship game but you know it didn't play out like that
0: yeah yeah so what do you think about uh like the documentary so far
1: man it's been great you know it's, it's um especially for the younger generation right now who didn't get to see mike like most of them know mike for the sneaker releases, you know what I mean? So they don't know Michael Jordan, the player, but just to see his drive and determination, you know, compile with his skill and athletic ability and how hard he worked, you know, knowing he was the best and very good at it. He didn't just settle for being, you know, oh, I got me three championships, I'm good. You know, he always was working and achieving to, you know, be the victor every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much it's going to resonate with kids, but I think with Dennis Rodman uh like playing is important because like it showed like you don't have to score a million points to be like an all-star and high paid player and and get to the league yeah and you know one of the other things is just like
1: the competitiveness that happened yeah. you know so even in the 80s in high school you know i had best friends all around Bristol when we played against each other and if i lost to them it'd probably be three, four days a week before I spoke to them again. You know, that's just how upset you would be. Seriously, that's, that's just how it was. You know, this generation, I guess, you know, social media, they're all cool and in contact. It's just, it's okay. Like, after the game, I didn't even want to shake their hand, you know, to say goodbye, and I went on my own separate way. So, and that's kind of what you see, you know, with the, situation with him and in Isaiah and you know they talk about you know the situation with magic and bird and like you saw the pass get tor- pa- the torch get passed you know amongst those guys you know my favorite player was was Dr. J coming up you know so getting to see him out there and see him play and then Mike comes along you know so even prior to UConn because of Michael Jordan I love North Carolina you know what I mean so you got to figure in 82 we're like fifth sixth grade you know north carolina was the school to go to everybody you know was loving the tar hill blue and obviously i go to uconn and um that kind of faded away until my sophomore year we're playing north carolina down at the dean Dome in chapel hill and so we go into practice you look up at the sky everything's baby blue you see all the names in the rafters you see jordan you see worthy you see woods sam perkins everything's just hanging from the ceiling and um in the north carolina game so i'm at the half court you know grabbing the ball out the basket and coach calhoun's talking to dean smith and dean smith goes hey oliver how you doing talk about one of the best moments in my life i almost lost it right then i couldn't believe dean smith knew my name you know what i mean so i'm like oh so first thing i do at the practice i run to the paper and i call my mom like mom dean smith knows my name he said hi oliver you know dean smith knows. it was crazy it was crazy yeah so um we we played them, we're up like 18 at the half, and, you know, feeling pretty good, and second half, it got so loud in there, and you could just see a, see a baby blue, we wound up losing by like, you know, five or six points, but they came back and they beat us, you know, so that made for a long road trip after that, you know, <laughs>
0: um, yeah.
1: you know, yeah, when we lost, things didn't go too well, so, but uh, it was a good time, though. Yeah, I got
0: you, hold on, let me, let me exit out and re-add you in, because you're like blurry right now okay all right hold on yeah let's see wait till he gets back in i don't even know i don't even think it's people's internet anymore i think i think it might be just Instagram, but it's crazy these are great stories let's see Let add them back in connecting there you go yeah we're back all right okay um yeah so what about yeah going going into your uh post career how did you how did you like what what made you want to be like an nba and WNBA agent you know um love the game the game has showed me the world
1: you know took me to some places i never expected i would go to you know like had it not been for basketball scholarship the likelihood of me going to college, I really don't know if that would have happened. You know, I'm one of nine, you know, kids at home, you know, and um, I was the first person to go to a four year school and graduate out of my family. And, you know, I was very grateful and thankful that I was able to attain a scholarship to, to be able to do that. But, um, you know, wanted to stay around the game, you know, um, due to my relationships. I had a chance to get in the gym and um, work out with some of the best, you know, get a quote unquote unofficial look. And I quickly realized why some of the players who were in the league while they were there, you know? So, like, and I thought I was pretty good. I made shots. And then I got in the gym with some of these guys, and they didn't miss, you know? I remember working out with uh, Lucius Harris, and this is when um, he was in New Jersey. And we're playing and, you know, holding my own, but this dude couldn't miss. Everything he threw up went in, you know what I mean? So, it's just a clear understanding of why these guys were – so special and coveted by you know some of the nba teams but i just wanted to stay around the game and continue to um you know be a part of the game and see the world and you know talk to some friends and some folks and that's when i got involved with the agency and, uh, you know you know it started building relationships so the first couple of years um that i was an agent it was kind of funny like i didn't want to say the word because there was so many yeah. negative connotations that come along with the agent all i knew were the bad things like they're all crooks yeah. and dirty you know so um So I had to learn to do things the right way, my way, and, um, you know, which is untraditional. Most guys, you know, will link up with another agency and use their resources, then they'll jump off and go do their own thing and take players with them. So I've done it from the ground up on my own, and I do it the way I want to do it, you know, and it's worked well for me. And um, don't want everybody, can't have everybody, and just want to be able to give everybody the necessary attention that they all need. I have to treat all my players like, you know, they're the ultimate. They're Diana Taurasi and then LeBron's in my agency, whoever they are. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I know. I don't know if you know, you're, like, I think one of, like, maybe, I don't know, like 10 or 20 agents that's certified in both. Uh, so what, what made you want to do WNBA too? You know, so –
1: the girls um, wasn't as dirty, you know, early on, you know what I mean? So when you doing the guys side, you had to be involved with these players, you know, by the time they touch high school, if you didn't, you were too late in regards to having a chance of representing them. And um, on the girls side, it, it, didn't, it didn't work that way. So um, I had some interesting girls. And you know, I had a partner at the time, and he would represent the woman. And the parents would say, Oliver, when are you going to get your WNBA license? Because they wanted me to work with a the specific their child, you know. I didn't get it at the time, but when I lost one or two of them because they went somewhere else, I'm like, listen, man, I told you to get your license, you know. That's what I was trying to tell you for. She wanted to work with you. So yeah. at that moment, I went and got my license, and, you know, it's been smooth sailing since
0: then. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think there's that many that has have both. So so you got, you got something there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about? Um, oh, actually, I forgot to ask you. Uh, like, has it been funny? Because I know Scott Burrell been getting a lot of media attention now. He's like the mm-hmm. uh, like every like every so episodes he has a little snippet and it, and it just goes viral. So like, what have you been like as his friend? Like, have you just been like laughing at it? Oh, yeah, We're
1: laughing at it. We talk just about every other day, you know, if not every day about it, you know, and the different things, you know, he's trending now on Twitter, you know, he's yeah. on Sports Center. I think he's doing a, um, an interview with TMZ today, you know, so um, you got to think that that team had, you know, 15 players on it, you know, and as you watch okay. the documentary, his name comes up, you know, pretty often, and he's the one okay. being interviewed, you know, you don't see too much of Tony coach. you know, he's had a a tippet here or there, but besides Pippen, Robin, you know, Scott's been talked about a lot, you know, throughout the series, you yes. know, so in that, that last year, you know, he was a guy who was guarding Mike every damn practice, you know, so.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy too, because that was the only, his, his only year there, right? Yeah. That was his only year, you know, that, that,
1: that, 98 season. So their first round was against the Nets and Scott played really well. And, you know, after the Bulls team disseminated he wound up signing with the Nets the following one year, you know. So funny yeah. how
0: those things work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely crazy. Yeah. I, did he, Did he know? Did you know, if he thought he was going to be in it like this much?
1: Um. Yeah. He they called him because um. Uh, you know yeah, they yeah. wanted to ask him certain questions, things that so so he knew the parts that he was going to be in, you know, and things okay. that were going to be, you know, brought forth. But um, it was it was it was fun. It's hilarious, you know, just to get to watch and see it all play out all over
0: again, you know. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is to now thinking about it, like thinking about like uh, filming a documentary now, that's like normal to us, but like back then, like that's not really normal, like to film a whole season. Yeah, like
1: yeah. yeah. So like I said, the, the cameras were everywhere, you know, so Chuck Daly, you know, rest his soul, he was, he was right there, you know, you get to see the personality of Rodman and all the different outfits he would wear every game, like that was entertaining in itself, just seeing what he was going to wear to the game, you know? Yeah. Fluorescent green pants with a yellow blazer. It, it's you know, so it was kind of funny to watch all of that. And but when they got between the lines, they competed. You know, they yeah. they knew they were there to entertain and win the game.
0: And then afterwards, you know, they were all their own individual people. Gotcha. Have you have you had any combos with the Rodman?
1: Yeah, we um saw Rodman. You know, like he he was his own dude. You know what I mean. Yeah. So. um couple of guys, we hung out a few times, you know, after games, and they won some victories, and it's funny. We were, at, we were in a bar one night, and you can just see the crowd of people just shift wherever Robin went, you know. So, like, everyone would be in that one area where he was. He literally, not walk, he'd run to another end of the bar, and then you just see a whole crowd of people just shift and go follow him, take his shirt off, swing his shirt around, drinks for everybody, you know. So, yeah, it was, once again, entertaining. That's
0: right. Yeah. Uh yeah, back back to you being an agent. Uh, we're going all around like the like the documentary does. <laughs> uh, it's all that's, right. That's the only thing that that's the only thing I don't like about the documentary. I think it goes too much. I like the back and forth, but like I think it goes too much back and forth.
1: Yeah, yeah. it kind of throws you if if you
0: yeah.
1: aren't an avid basketball fan and don't know, you know, his current history, you'd be like hold up this is a match you know it's not adding up a little bit but you really got to yeah. sit there and you know run to the bathroom on the commercial break and get back so you don't miss anything
0: yeah oh yeah somebody asked i don't know if you get answers did you, did you know steve kerr was going to be a great coach
1: Steve Curry played at Arizona, you know, had a high IQ, could really shoot the ball, you know, and when you play for Hall of Fame coaches, you know, you pick up Hall of Fame information, you know, so outside of being a very good player, you know, you sit and you learn, you know, sometimes I'm sure guys who've played for excellent coaches can watch games and have their two cents, you know, as far as when a sub should be made, who's coming out the game or, you know, what change should be made because you've seen this stuff from the folks that you sat under. So I'm sure, you know, I knew it was going to be a great coach. Everyone says, Oh, you know, he, he inherited some of the players. Well, who doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you still, you still, they still got to buy into what you're saying, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now go back to your agency. Um, uh, Like what do you, now it's like coronavirus, like what is uh? Like, how do you think it's going to play out, like, this next season, I guess? Like, overseas and stuff like that? So, everybody's,
1: you know, very optimistic that things are going to start, you know, slowly moving back to the to the new normal, you know? So, um, things will probably pick up a little bit faster in the European market because they were exposed to it first, so they're a little bit further ahead than us in regards to, you know, making the changes and adjustments as we move forward. So, very optimistic that that'll come along, obviously, because – Of the termination of the seasons this year budgets and things that are sort of going to change for a lot of the players so um you know team salaries are going to drop like 30 to 40 percent you know from what they were this past year unfortunately so until things get back to the way they used to be
0: yeah yeah i mean you think the you think the nba season's gonna come back or not
1: well they're they're hopeful you know once again everything is financial and you you got to make that balance of finances and safety you know so um i'm sure the league would like to complete some sort of a season to you know salvage some of the monies but you got to make sure you know your clientele and everyone's going to be safe and you know their families and everyone else that you know comes in contact with them so that's what it all boils down to but you know with them extending you know the agreement that they have with the television contract you know for another to the end of September just shows that they're still trying to work
0: something out to, you know, save the season. Yeah, I'm hoping they could just maybe just go into the playoffs.
1: You know, I'm I'm sure that's on the table,
0: you know, yeah. um but
1: but we what we want to see, we want to see a good quality of play. You know, guys have been off for some time, you know, everybody's doing their home regimen, stretching and doing as much workouts as they can, but you know, we're talking about the best athletes in the world. We don't want to see anybody get yeah. hurt and not be ready to go. That's why they have preseasons, you yeah. know, to kind of ramp Great. up for you know the grueling season that they're going to have, so just want to make sure you know we're seeing a, a quality level, you know, of play once and if it does happen.
0: Yeah, like I've been saying, I think like golf and maybe like tennis are going to be like the ones that are definitely going to come back. It's like nine. again. I'm sorry. I'm thinking like golf and tennis are going to come back.
1: <sighs> yeah, you know, in Connecticut, they. They kept the courses open and and that's where a lot of folks have spent their time, you know, and um, but, you know, the vaccine will come, you know, we've seen this happen before, you know, in history, you know, well, not personally seen it, but we've heard about how these things have happened. And once the vaccine comes along and, you know, you know, everybody starts adjusting to it, things eventually work its way around. But, you know, the scientists and the studies and the doctors say, you know, sometimes it takes a year and a half, two years before we can, you know, really get back to the norm.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know if you want to answer this one. Someone asked, will you sign your son after college? Will I sign my son
1: after college? Absolutely. If, if he gets the opportunity to be able to play, you know, on the next level, for sure, that'll definitely happen, you know. So he just has to uh, take a step-by-step, keep working, you know, maintain his grades in the classroom and, you know, work hard outside the classroom and, you know, things will happen for him based on the work he puts in.
0: Yeah. How, uh, how old is he now?
1: He's 17.
0: Oh, okay, so he's in high school.
1: Yeah, he's a high school. Yep. He's uh oh, just yeah. finished his junior
0: year at Notre Dame in Fairfield. Oh gotcha, gotcha. So uh yeah, yeah. so what's that like? You you teach him some some moves? A little bit. Um I teach him how to
1: shoot. You know, he can handle the ball way better than I could ever have imagined handling the ball, you know. So um I played point guard, but I didn't have what they call handles. I can handle the ball, you're not gonna take it from me, but my son um can really handle the ball. So just you know, now teaching him when to give it up and when to keep it, you know, and then just developing his shot off the dribble. So that's a lot of stuff that we work on, but uh, he has a chance, but like I said, it's based on, you know, whatever work he puts into the game, you know, so it's yeah. all up to him.
0: Did you, uh, you always played them one-on-one? Um, Up until about,
1: let me see, let's see, he's 17 now, probably stopped at like 14, Yeah, like 14, yeah, if, so, and so if he, if we, we but I, we ended the game; it was tied up, and I, I saw that I was about to lose. So you know,
0: <laughs> pulled the plane. Yeah. you go. that's So you know. But that's good though. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, like, is UConn looking at him?
1: No, not not just yet. He's not at that level just yet, you know. Um, but you know, he'll probably have to do a post grad year after next year of high school, and then you know we'll go from there. But um. Gotcha. Like I said, it all depends on the work he puts into.
0: Gotcha. And then, like, as an agent, uh, like, what advice would you give to somebody that, like, wants to become an agent? Um,
1: it's relationships. It's relationships and, and it's trust. You know what I mean? So um, the way I do things, I always make the separation of just leisure talk and business. So you, you can't, you know, casually talk business and, you know, try to sway somebody into something when they're thinking it's just a leisure conversation, you know, that's me anyway, you know, so my morals and ethics are a lot different than everybody else's, you know, um, like I said, I've worked with other folks and I've seen a lot of things that do take place out there in regards to trying to, to attract and get a player, you know, which are the things I don't do, you know what I mean? So my morals are a lot different and you know, my trust is a lot different. That's why, you know, I'm by myself right now.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. Um, what's your, what's your take on, um, just like some of these high school players like getting almost too hyped up when they're like, say like a freshman, they're like 14 years old.
1: It's tough, man. If, yeah. if they don't have the right guidance and the right person in their ear continuing to tell them to work, you know, then, you know, if you think you've already made it, you know, there's a lot of very good players, you know, at high levels, whether it be college or the league. And they're not just letting some young kid come in there and, you know, take that spot away from them when they're trying to feed their families, you know. And sometimes it does happen if they're, they're very good, you know, but you you have to always work. You, if, if you look at the league, if you don't come back with a little something different to your game each year, that's how you'll see the life expectancy of your career just phase out, you know. Yes. So I, it, the average might be up to four or five years, you know, before it was like three years, you know. So you see guys, you know, the Kobe's and the KGs and they played 17 years in LeBrons. That's that's not everybody. Those are the elite all stars of the yeah. game. Take care of the body and invest in their bodies, and they last a long time. But there's a lot of role players, you know, who get three four years in the league, and then that's it.
0: Yeah. now what's your what's your take on this new uh, G League? Uh, like the I think is I think he's the number one player, and he signed with the G League instead of going to college. Hmm.
1: Well there's been so many talks about the NCA and and not giving the players their due worth you know and when you have an opportunity to if that's what you're ultimately trying what you're ultimately trying to get if once again if you got the right parents and the right guidance behind you and you take that opportunity and you do schooling online to work towards getting your degree but still being able to be with the elite and play and improve on your game that way You know, that's going to be the new wave, you know? So there's so many knocks on how the NCAA does things and limits folks, you know, to the point where, you know, I'm going back to when I was playing. When you're in college, yes, you have a scholarship, but if you don't make the cafeteria and you're hungry, it's very difficult, you know, you know, yeah. to get yourself a meal, especially if you don't have a parent who can, you know, provide you with a you know, twenty dollars so you can get a pizza. And yeah. then they don't allow you to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't work at the student union for a couple hours a day, but you walk in there and you see your jersey with your number on it and but they're selling it, you know. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean I think that's why I, I think it I think they're starting officially next year with the likeness thing and you can make money off yourself.
1: But you're not yeah, associated
0: with the school and all this there's a whole bunch of weird rules Absolutely. with your i mean i think the next five years like just college sports are going to be pretty interesting
1: yeah i mean if they would have just gave players you know five grand a semester stipend people would have been excited and wouldn't have had any problem with that you know mm-hmm. and the conversation would have been changed a lot differently as we would have moved forward but it was at the point where they weren't giving out anything but you know you know march madness you make 980 million you know in the march you want the month of march alone you know, so I I know it killed the NCAA to have to cancel those games this year, but that's their biggest breadwinner. You know, it's a lot yeah. of money.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know that's why that's why I That's when I, I knew this thing was real when they canceled March Madness because I was like, there's too much money, and they
1: that's yeah, it was crazy. Hey, if you think back, it was just two months ago the Big yeah, East tournament. They had to cancel a game at yeah. halftime. You know, they yeah, they were trying to get those weird. games in. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That was, that yeah. Was that was like yeah. almost, that that was like a movie. That was like, yeah, like was movie like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. was crazy. Yeah, I think uh but I mean I think I think the G League thing made them take that step in the direction too, with their, their new rule or whatever you wanna call it. Absolutely. You know, um once again, families and people
1: know you see kids leave and they go straight to Europe. You know, a couple mm-hmm. of guys have done it straight from high school. Yeah. so now you can keep that kid here in the states you know and have your eyes on him here in the states and you know our farm league here as opposed to going to europe and it's, it's a mm-hmm. better adjustment for a kid who's 18 years old who's not ready to be over in europe you know on his own yeah. just yet you know everyone doesn't have the ability to go and live with their kid you know for eight yeah. months in europe but here in the states you know it's a little bit more accommodating for them
0: yeah yeah for sure well i appreciate you coming on and uh it was great to have you and, uh, yeah, we'll be talking. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. I appreciate it, Paul. All right. I'll see you. Have a good one. I right. right. Take care.
1: Bye-bye.